welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. I am your host, Troy. It is not someone else, even though the voice is much more dark and sultry. Um, it's one of those benefits of having a head cold, I guess. Now, um, if the if you hear coughing a lot in this episode, <laughs> I think I've been able to either deflect it enough or edit it out so you don't hear me hacking and coughing. But uh, that's the uh, price you pay. I decided to go out and mow the um, section of the hill, and you guys will say, oh, Troy Mosey Hill. Yeah, it's 100 acres of all hill, so everything's a hill to mow. But uh, went out and mowed the day that the last bit of pollen was really kicking, and I think that I think that got into my brain, actually, and that's, the, uh, that's what I'm dealing with right now. So um, while the outside of me looks normal, the inside of me is like the xenomorph from the movie Alien. So not to be too crude and disgusting there, but that's what we're dealing with. So um, before I get into our interview, I do want to shout out that the Lord in his providence gave me a couple to interview that fortunately I really didn't have to talk much because they can just take the conversation and run with it, which I'm so glad they did uh, because that kept my voice from being stressed too much and, and hacking and coughing all through. So there's a couple episodes that I've recorded where I'm going to sound this way. So um, like I said, it's a shame I can't have this voice all the time. Oh, here we go. Cough number one edited out there. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah. obviously be, I'd love to have this deep voice, deep sultry voice all the time, um, but that's not going to happen. Uh, but I wanted to do a couple updates and announcements before we get into our interview. Uh, first announcement, I, I, I told you guys I'd keep you updated. It looks like I've got two of my three sows that have settled. Um, I'll know for certain here in the next uh, couple days. But Merida, our old uh, matriarch, she has not settled. In fact, uh, Squealy Dan's been knocking her around a little bit more here. So uh, I don't. I, I think she's done. She's definitely up in age, and, and she's just done. She's hateful and cranky and uh, still goes into good heat, still stand. But um, he just, uh, I don't think it's him because he's able to deliver the goods elsewhere. But, uh, but I think she's, she's just, uh, that ship has sailed. So. We'll see what that means. You know, in my mind, that means yes, we got to get her off the farm. It's time to retire her. But uh, in my heart, it'll probably be that she'll stand here until she falls over dead one day. <clears throat> Such is life, right? Um, what else is going on? Well, uh, man, I'm really excited about the lineup. As, as many of you guys know, I do these podcasts in batches, these interviews in batches. So I've I was getting a little tight there. In fact, the episode you're hearing today was just recorded last week, which is really really odd for me. Normally, you're you're months out. But um, I've got a, a, some really good batches lined up, some that are already in the can, some that are scheduled, and it's going to be pretty eclectic. So I, I love the idea, or I love the fact that because of some, some tech, simple technological improvements here on the farm and able to, to ramp this up and be able to um, not only continue to present new farms and farms that you're not familiar with that are, that are raising pigs, but also get uh, opportunity to drill down in topics um, we've got, um, just, <clears throat> excuse me, just 10 minutes ago, just finished a great conversation with the American Berkshire Association executive director. So that'll be an episode coming up real soon and, uh, great stuff there. In fact, I, I, I could have talked another hour to Corey on that, but 
but really excited with what we've got lined up. And I, I want to continue to keep this momentum going. So please continue to give me feedback either through the Facebook group or send me an email, Troy at RedToolHouse.com, and give me some suggestions there on, on what else we need to do. But really excited about this. I want to keep this momentum going. And along the lines of momentum, uh, I want to be... Um, I guess shameless plug here, the the digital beggar, um, consider supporting us on Patreon. For just $5 a month, you can uh, support the Patreon account that just, again, just keeps this stuff rolling. Not only does it keep keep doing what we're doing, but it, it, it allows me to look at other investments of things, whether it's upgrading equipment, whether it's you know, obviously more file storage so we can keep things out there. I'd, I'd love to keep all these podcast episodes out uh, free for everyone to, to look at. Uh, there's there's some situations where I may have to start retiring the older episodes or put them behind a paywall to to justify costs, but I'd rather keep from doing that. I, I would love to have uh, Patreon supporters uh, you know, kind of keep, keep that pump prime so I can cover the cost of those things. But uh, as we've always said, when we get to 40 supporters, there's there's some pretty neat stuff that I'm ready to turn on and that requires monthly expenses that uh, would be justified then when we get to that support level. So if you haven't supported and you've been an ardent listener, uh, please consider even a simple $5 uh, gift there. For those of you who are Patreon supporters, I, I know usually this is the best way to communicate with you, even through the Patreon app. I, I think I get better response through the podcast. But uh, those of you that are in the Patreon loop, uh, we will be doing a... A, a live Q&A or a live discussion coming up soon. So I really need to get feedback from you all when the best time that would be. I mean, I would assume for, for most of our people, because we're all over the, my goodness, all over the United States, so you got time zones, you got day jobs to worry about. So probably be a late evening Eastern time so it'll accommodate our West Coast people. But to do a Q&A and maybe even have some specific guests, people that have been on, um, or, or it may just be an opportunity to just talk about hey, what we're struggling with, what we're dealing with. Uh, obviously, if there's any marketing questions, we can take those on as well. So that'll be coming up soon for our Patreon supporters. So those of you that aren't supporters, maybe isn't, maybe this is the right uh, carrot to dangle to get you on board there. Uh, what else we have going on? The um, Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, I, I would say there's a lot going on here at the farm, but uh, it's, it's not necessarily related to pigs, but I am... I am even rethinking farrowing locations again because we will be having a January farrowing, it looks like, which I've done before. And with some artificial heat and, and creep areas, it, it, it tends to be okay. But uh, I'm just exploring some other options. Uh, my two sows, the first year they farrowed together, no problem. The second year, it was like oil and water. And, and, um, and one of them did a wily coyote through the side of the barn to get out of there. Uh, those of you who've been following uh, the channel know that we've uh, we documented that. So maybe utilizing our greenhouse uh, may reinforce it to uh, down on the flat level to have the, the one of the sows utilize the greenhouse to hang out and fare over there. So we'll see. That'll be uh, I've got a couple months to figure that out. All right. So without any further ramblings from me, let's get into our discussion today. And today we're talking with Whoopsie Daisy Farm, which I absolutely love that name. And we get in the entomology of that uh, farm name uh, near the end. So make sure you stick around for that. But we're talking to Kyle and Rachel Hester. And what's really cool is I met them just here recently at the HOA, the Homesteaders of America Conference in, in Virginia. 
And so it was neat to get to get to know people that have listened to the podcast for a while or followed our YouTube channel for a while and uh, and actually get to put some some faces with people that have uh, reached out digitally. So it was a great conversation, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's, a, it's a good dynamic pair that um, uh, Kyle and, and Rachel are, are a good tag team duo. And so they keep the conversation lively and keep it moving. And, and like I said, my, I didn't have to croak through it nearly as much as I thought I would. So uh, let's jump in and uh, I'll introduce you all to Kyle and, and Rachel. Well, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. Today, we are not going very far from Red Tulas. We're just going west a little bit. We're going into central Kentucky and we're talking with Whoopsie Daisy Farm. And that's Kyle and Rachel Hester. Welcome, y'all. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Glad to be here. All right. Well, it's it's good to have um, couples on this. You know, don't don't get that opportunity very often. So I'm glad <laughs> both of you are taking the time to sit down and and talk with me. I, I think it's going to add a just a nice additional perspective to what you've got going on in the farm, and and of course, you know how you guys balance that with all farm job and and those responsibilities and how that works. So I'm I'm glad you both are here and can provide that input. Well, thank you. Yeah, us too. We're very glad to get to do this together. Very yes, good. it gives us an opportunity to sit down together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> that takes proactive effort on a homestead sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about your farm and kind of the core of where you are. And this may get people kind of scratching their heads and saying, okay, why are they on the Pastured Pig podcast? But we'll, <laughs> we'll obviously we'll migrate into that in the conversation. But tell me, give me that 40,000 foot elevation view of your farm and, and kind of where you hang out. And then even kind of talk about how they got you over to Homesteaders of America. We were actually able to see each other face to face there. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so the overview of our place is we have eight and a half acres, and the best way I can describe it is our land looks like a slice of pizza. Yep. Um, a highway, uh, country highway is the crust, and so we have a curve at the front of our land. Uh, that's where the house is, and the pasture and stuff falls back behind into uh, trees, so it just tapers back into a triangle. Um, so we, we own everything that's cleared out in pasture and then the trees are kind of the border around us. Mm -hmm. Um, we bought it five years ago as a foreclosure and, uh, it was our first home purchase, first home purchase, which there's a lot of blessings and a lot of negatives to doing a first home buy with the, with the foreclosure property, um, both with the house and with the land. So mm -hmm. we're still, uh, working on the house to some to a lot of degrees, and at the same time, we're also really having to work on land rehabilitation because mm -hmm. prior to us, there were on this eight and a half acres. There's our home, um, but the pr previous folks had put two mobile homes on that on the eight and a half acres. Mm -hmm. So there was there still is to a lot of places debris fields all over our place where it was just the <laughs> uh, kind of ransacked, if you will. So, uh, we are trying to use, uh, well, before that it was hayfields. Yeah. Before that was, hayfields. so when we moved here, we got a soil sample and we had absolutely no topsoil whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you're homes there, you're supposed to have the garden and we're just now five years later, able to grow a decent tomato, um, just cause our topsoil just wasn't there. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, we so we kind of followed the the homestead model of we got poultry mm -hmm. that was year one and then 2020 rolled around yeah. 
and we got our first two sheep and we thought, okay, we'll just try sheep. Um, and that morphed into in the next two years, we now have close to 30, close to 30 right now counting the lambs. Yeah. Cause there's chicken math and there's sheep math. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so our, our, our purpose with all the sheep was to get the, we milk them. So we really wanted the sheep dairy mm-hmm. and then also have the meat and the wool off of them. And what we didn't realize was the, outcry for the sheep byproducts of uh the yarn and the fiber products that rachel's able to make or uh or the or the milk i mean because i didn't know sheep milk soap was going to be such a huge hit um so yeah but the thing with sheep is that uh, they're not as sensitive as goats to parasites but they're pretty close to goats as far as sensitive to parasites which when you have completely abused land the parasite loads are are pretty steep so um so we got to 2021 with some poultry and sheep and trying to figure out what in the world we were doing and of course that was all during the middle of the isolation crisis and (laughs) so we found out about homesteaders of america and rachel said you know we really we really should go (laughs) we have to go we really should go to this uh, and it was, of course, that was last year, that was the 2021 year, and it was just amazing. You know, that was the people waiting for five hours to get into the event year. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be able to meet so many folks that are doing, to, to some degree, the similar stuff to what we are doing. We didn't feel like we were doing it alone. We didn't feel like we were crazy. Uh, or if we were was, crazy, we were at least crazy with pals, yes. not just by ourselves. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. So we... Um, came away very encouraged by by the you know all the classes we went to at HOA and one of those classes actually was uh, which you know we were milking the sheep we thought okay we really were not looking to animals quite frankly I mean I love cows I grew up uh around them on my grandpa's farm but we're still going we don't have any fencing on the property we use all electronet you know that's a big animal and we came away from their talk and thinking well a few years down the road we'll you know this might be a good idea to get into a cow a month a (laughs) month later we had a jersey in my backyard so yeah yeah yeah. so uh yeah so a month after last year's hoa we had a milk cow and uh quite so we were like okay we got the sheep we got the poultry we got the milk cow now we're good we are mm-hmm. we're definitely yeah capped off and having the milk cow and posting pictures of the milk cow on online led to an outpouring of folks wanting to get into a herd share mm-hmm. at, which we did not see coming yeah I didn't at, see that coming at, at all. all and so it was through that herd share that we wound up with our pigs yeah so we there was a a, a friend of mine she wanted to be part of our herd share um And so, you know, we had her come over and explained how it works and all that. And she said, well, I'm a great one for bartering. And I said, yeah, we can, we can definitely barter. And, you know, what do you got that I might want? And she said, well, I've got this sow and a guilt. I'll trade you them for milk. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, we're not doing pigs because my mom, my, my mom's grandpa raised hogs. And I don't know what she did to the pigs or what 
like great grandpa threatened to deuter her with the pigs, but she was traumatized by those <laughs> Jurassic Park hogs. Right. And so I just always grew up hearing about these razor tooth man eating hogs that tried to murder my mother. And I was just like, okay, we're not, we're not doing pigs. And I also said, we're not doing any animals that I can't milk. So we're not doing pigs. <laughs> and my friend was just like, no, you need pigs. And I was like, I don't, I don't need pigs. I really do not need pigs. Like they're smelly, they're stinky, they're stupid, like you know, all the stereotypes against pigs. And so she won me over by saying, well, since I've added pigs to my homestead, I don't have any parasite issues with my goats or sheep. Mm. And I was like, that cannot be true. And she's like, no, no, it's true. Like, because the the pigs, she's, I have the pigs following the sheep and goats and the pigs will go eat the sheep poop right away. And that acts as a parasite barrier. Yeah. Wow. And, and we had just lost our, one we, of our first sheep to parasites. Yeah. Like literally the week before. Long. So it was perfect timing for her to strike while the iron was hot. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good sale. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Very good yeah. sale um, approach. Yep. Yeah. 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 So we were like, okay, well, we'll, we'll go over and we'll look at your and so we went to her property and she's standing out in this pasture and she starts calling you know these pigs by their names and they run up to her and they flop down and she belly scratches them and i think one ate out of her hand which i wouldn't recommend but she did it and um we left and we're like shoot we gotta get those pigs <laughs> and, and and they were a decent size i mean they, they yeah are they're American Guinea hog and Cooney Coon crosses. Right. So this was a very manageable size for us. This wasn't the two ton hog that, you know, we, we, we had in our nightmares. This was, <laughs> this was something that was a couple hundred pounds to, you know, the smallest one is more like maybe a hundred right now where she's still growing. Yeah. yeah. And just so darn cute looking. Right. So yes, oh, they were adorable. Yeah. I'm like, what? Pigs are cute. When did that happen? I mean, they, they called her Tiny Pig because they can't, they couldn't think of a name for her. Like, we have to come up with a different name for that pig. And a year later, she's still called Tiny. That just, yeah, that's, it's just, it's we've, just we've got Charlotte and Tiny Pig. So, you know, how's that for quintessential? <laughs> so, Perfect. so literally, we went for, and it was actually a, a kind of an uphill battle because I was determined we weren't going to get pigs, even. Yeah, you were a harder sell than I yeah, was. Yeah, I was, actually, I was the you? harder sell because I just said we were not equipped. We had we know nothing, absolutely nothing about them. And and she's like, and, it doesn't and, matter. And, it's okay. Like you, like you really can't kill a pig and, unless you're trying hard to. And, so and then Rachel finally won me over with, look, let's just try this, and if it doesn't work out, we can eat both of them. We got bacon in the freezer, <laughs> and my love for bacon won out. And so <laughs> I said, okay, this is kind of a win-win. If we like them, we like them. If not, I'm full. So right, and then it was hilarious because we we went to church the next weekend and we told our Sunday school group, "Oh, you know, please please pray for us, young fools. We're getting pigs." And we had folks pulling us like in the in the parking lot after church service. People were pulling up in their cars, congratulating us over <laughs> our pig acquisition. Right. No one did that over the cow or the sheep or the chickens, but everyone was like, "We can't wait till you get pigs." And right. I was like. Well, okay. I did not know this was going to be such a popular thing. So, so in the South, pork is king. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. That, that, that's apparently our experience. Exactly. So. Yep. Yep. I yeah. would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. So, so what a what a great um, what a great evolution of farm <laughs> livestock yeah. there. Oh, and I did find out you can milk pigs. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're not. Going we're not to. going to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get into movie quotes, but yeah, I, I keep thinking of that. One. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can milk yeah. a cat. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, my exactly. sister's done that too. So, you yeah, know, but, never but, say never around yeah, me and right. my family. Yeah, we're, we're not doing that. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so I, you said something there that I, I want to come back on and, and see if it's expandable. So, so the, the person that convinced you to take her pigs, mm-hmm. she was talking about the parasite load um, uh, issue there. So, so I know a lot of us listening probably know that, you know, sheep and goats are, 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 are more fragile when it comes to that type of situation and mm-hmm. the rotation and pasture management and, and even climate take um, play into that quite a bit. So it is, is this something I, I've not heard that before? I got to say, so is this something that is common knowledge or is this kind oh, of no. uncommon no, knowledge? I don't think so. I mean, whenever I'm on the, you know, homesteading Facebook wars and they're like, what do we do about these sheep parasites? And I say, add a little, lard breed pig to follow you know your flock everyone's like where has this long kept secret been and I'm, i don't know but i mean when we put our pigs in to follow the sheep i mean the first thing they do is they go find the sheep poop and they start eating it so or they graze well i mean yeah, yeah they'll, they'll graze a little bit but they, they're looking for the poop first right. um so no it's not common knowledge i don't think so or if it is it's not in the circles we run in so yeah um yeah i'm i'm i would like for it to be more well known but um because it's a pretty cool little trick you just you've got your mutton bacon in the freezer it's not a kosher freezer but we're american we don't care um (laughs) yeah but but i mean you know is there all this stuff to back it up we're we're we're, no we're just trying to figure out Mm -hmm. you know how this works we're a year into it because i mean Um, we we tried to be as chemical free as possible i mean we're not we're not religious about we're never going to use a chemical on our farm but for the most part we try to not do you know routine warmings or routine medications or whatnot just because it it does affect the quality of your your milk or your meat or your longevity of your flock but um the dairy breed sheep that we have just really struggle in the in the parasite seasons in kentucky so i mean we're like any little thing that we can do to help we just throw at them because it's just a battle every year. They need it. So, and and so we're we're finding that they come in, they they start cleaning up the sheep poop. They also will graze stuff that the sheep didn't graze. Yeah. Um. And you know, again, not that hugely pig familiar, but th- this breed cross definitely likes to graze. Yeah. Um. So they'll come in, they'll start grazing, they'll start, and then what is a really big benefit for us with our current land setup where we're trying to rehabilitate and that kind of stuff is they start rooting like a rototiller and but once they get bored like that's right, been the interest right. like you know once we get to a point where we don't want the pastures rototilled so regularly yeah. like if we move them within a few days they won't start rooting correct but if we let leave them there for about a week that's when they start turning stuff over so that's been kind of interesting to track too where you know, if you want someone to plow their, if you want a pig to plow your field, this cross will work. But if you don't want them turning everything up, you just move them faster. Like Joel Salatin actually says we should. Um, yeah. So, but in our case, we really like them rooting stuff up. Cause that's, you know, that's aerating, that's causing distur- a natural disturbance that is good for the soil where it hasn't had it. And right. yeah. who knows how. Yeah, absolutely. 
So yeah. what's the what's the delay? How far behind are you with the pigs with uh, following the sheep? Is it immediately when you so when you move the sheep over, the pigs come yeah. right back in? Okay. Yeah. So we basically make a huge triangle with the electronet and then just separate the middle of it with the panel. So the sheep are on one side and the pigs are on the other. Okay. So like then we just make a when we make a new paddock. The sheep go into the new paddock and the pigs follow directly behind them into where they were just at. Because yeah. it seems like the pigs want the fresher manure, not the older manure. Yeah. Well, who who uh, wouldn't? I mean, that would be my choice as well. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to have it, I'd rather be fresh. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. so, yeah, they we, we kind of try to do both from the benefits of what they're doing and for practicality because we have... It's just easier. We, we have both their electronets run off the same charger so we can just keep... Uh, leapfrogging so yeah uh, yeah the sheep just stay one ahead and the pigs follow right behind them so that way we can just keep them advancing together then and we can you know rotate manage it that way manage it that way so how's that balance been are you seeing that with because you said you had 30 head of sheep I believe Um, right so we we have three different flocks though so that Mm. we've got um, a ram flock because we have a couple different rams um as the breeds we run are not easily acquired in Kentucky. So, yeah, I mean, to, to preface that, our one of the sheep breeds we have that's our prominent sheep breed is a critically endangered one hmm. called Gulf Coast Native Sheep. So we've had to go far and wide to get breeding stock. Right. Uh, so if we can keep those on farm but be able to rotate them through, that's what we're trying to do. Right. Yeah. So we, we've got the ram flock of between three and five rams. So we have that genetic diversity. Then we have the maidens, which are the ewe lambs from this year or last year that we're not breeding yet. And then we have our milking slash breeding flock that we keep close to the house because we're milking them every day. Sure. Um, so it, it's it been um, our, our pig to sheep ratio is a little out of balance right now because we have three pigs right now and 30 sheep. So mm. um, the pigs aren't quite able to keep up with everything, although we did put a boar in like two months ago or one month ago. Sometimes, so some somewhere <laughs> earlier than now. Um, so we'll have more pigs soon, is what I'm saying. So I'm curious once we have a a better stocking ratio, pigs to sheep, how the pigs will manage that parasite load. Because when the pigs follow the one flock of sheep, that flock seems to do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we have two other additional flocks we have mm-hmm. to manage as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, not everyone gets a pig caravan. Right. Yeah, yeah, and what an interesting control. I mean, obviously it's not intentional, but you you have a control right. there to look at and say, okay, how much additional husbandry are we needing to do to the the flock that isn't being followed versus the one that is? Um, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's neat little yeah. science experiment there. So, so it sounds like you've added this boar. Is that a was that an AGH boar that you added? Yes. Yeah, so he's he's a pure AGH boar. Yeah. Um, and we again, we kind of lucked out because the lady who sold him to us, she um, she'd worked with like he was born on her farm. She worked with him. So like he's trained to keep his head away, although we still have to watch him and that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's a proven board. He does have tusks. Yeah. And and that was again, that was again, kind of a, a hard sell on our part because it was like we both watched old yeller growing up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit worried about hog cut here. <laughs> And so we went out again, we went and met him first and talked to the, talked to his owner and that kind of stuff. And, you know, you, you can tell a lot about an animal's disposition just by being around them. Yeah. And so that, that kind of helped ease that and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he won us over. Yeah. He, he won us over. So, um, 
and, and you know, we just saw this as a way because people were asking us too. You know, as soon as we got the pigs, okay, so a when's the pig roast, and b when when can we buy bacon? When can we you? buy bacon? Right, like, right. You know, they only have so much. Exactly. So, <laughs> and, and I was like, well, um, this is a slower growing breed, and and it was funny because like a couple people were like. Oh, good. We want the slower growing breeds because they're they taste better and they've got more lard. And I was like, okay, all right. I didn't <laughs> know I had this commodity food, but sure, yes, I'll, I'll <laughs> we can work this out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It, it's kind of what the market will bear. And and if you're going to be right, kind of low volume, but you've got uh, the people that aren't looking to you know, fill up a huge freezer. And they right. want some key cuts or or they see a lot of benefit in utilizing the lard. You know, there's a lot of people like, well, I don't know what to do with lard. But uh, <laughs> right. you've got right. those people that are interested, in, then, then it makes sense. But I, I love the I just I just love the genesis of how pigs ended up on your farm and the benefits you're seeing. <laughs> we do this, too. Yeah, the, yeah the, the benefits you're seeing beyond, like you said, yeah, bacon tastes great. Yeah, that's that's a win for everyone. But here here's some of the other advantages we're seeing. So I, it's, yeah. it sounds like with the size of the farm, the scale of everything that this breed selection is is ideal for you. That uh, that a cross between a Cooney Cooney and an AGH is, is going to give you smaller right. litters. It's going to give you, you know, not 300, 400, 500 pound pigs, breeding pigs. It's it's going to give you this smaller scale stuff, but it's still going to do what you need it to do on the farm. And of course, still provide bacon and, and maybe even additional either sales of the pigs themselves as feeders to somebody else or, you know, mm-hmm. cuts, halves, holes, those type of things. So mm-hmm. re- really yeah. slick there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so it sounds like obviously uh, if, if your new AGH boar is in there, then, then uh, you're, you're, you're waiting to see how he performs and you could possibly have, uh, you're going to let him breed both the sow and the gilt, I assume. Yeah. Cause I didn't realize uh, like with sheep, you want to wait, you know, a year and a half to two years to breed them just for, for best results for the, the mother um long term and uh so i was planning on doing that with our guilt Mm -hmm. and fortunately i was just you know doing some candid research on the agh breed and what i found out was with that breed you actually want to breed them within their first year Mm -hmm. or so because it just makes them easier to breed long term yeah Uh, so we were actually planning on not breeding the guilt we were just going to breed the sow and Kyle came home and I'm like, well, guess what? We were going to have to have two litters of piglets this year. And he was like, oh, OK, um, which, you know, again, our, our, our Sunday school class was like more bacon for us. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. y'all, y'all suckers better come over here and help. Right. But... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, when the piglets are on the ground, everybody's going to want to come over and, and play with them, too. So that's the other. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So and... oh, go ahead, Cal. And um, another thing too is with this, with this breed cross that we have, the size-wise, as you already mentioned, was really beneficial to us. But the second yeah. thing is the inputs oh my are, gosh, yeah. are what we needed because we didn't have, you know, we bought the milk cow partially because chicken feed was was sinking us financially. Yeah. Right, uh, right. So we used the milk to kind of offset some of the feed costs. So we're like, I told Rachel when we got the pigs, I said, look, we can't spend a ton of money on pig feed. Right. And, you know, to this date, we have never bought a bag of pig feed. That's amazing. Uh, so we yeah. are, they are, you know, foraging. Uh, we feed them scraps. They get, they get skim milk whenever we're, whenever yeah. milk's plentiful and that kind of stuff. Or buttermilk. But, or buttermilk. Cause I do make our own butter. So, yeah. 
Um, but that's and they love butcher day when we butcher chickens oh yeah like they yeah. are and i mean the fun thing was too like we had this blight on our duck flock this last <laughs> summer where ducks kept getting hit by cars for some stupid reason <laughs> yeah. and you know we can't use that meat but just as an experiment we chucked one of those duck carcasses into the pigs and within about 30 seconds there was two feathers left yeah. um yeah. and we're like well if we ever have a huge mess to clean up we know who we're calling so exactly yeah, or a, or an un, unruly neighbor. There's all kinds of options. There. Exactly. I didn't want to say that, but since you did, it's okay. So yeah, yeah. That's why they say that's why the mafia. That's why the mafia always owned a pig lot somewhere. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Well, that, yeah, that's great. So I, I I love that the fact that because of again the, the setup and and layout of your farm, the smaller scale, but the this this byproducts you're getting these these extras. And again, you're not in a rush to do quick turn production of your pigs. So it's not like you got to keep throwing the feed at them because we got to get these turned in six months or eight months or nine months because right. that's their, that's not their primary purpose on the farm. Their primary purpose right. is to, to graze and to help parasite load. All that. So, so I love that. So that, that changes the whole dynamic of, right. of the pig operation and how that factors in to what you guys do. So now obviously if you're going to, if you're going to have two letters at Farrow and then weaning time happens, do you think at some point you're going to need to do feed input or do you think you're going to have enough byproduct to carry you for those litters? I'm not sure. I know the lady we got these pigs from, she said she did give them some supplemental feed um, in pregnancy. So I, actually, I do need to call her probably tomorrow um, and just ask what she did. Cause I do, I do want to make sure that, you know, while they're pregnant, they have the calories that they need to have healthy litters and whatnot. So, um, you know, I, I do think we'll, we will give them some input for the breeding portion of it. Um, but we haven't quite figured that out yet. So, you yeah, know, we'll either, we'll either just give them more, um, you know, kitchen and, and milk stuff, or, you know, we may, I don't know how we would do this experiment since they're all in the same pen, but it would be interesting to see just feeding like one kitchen scraps, and milk and then another one actual like a, a pig feed right. and just compare the litters and see how they do um but i don't know how i do that right now because we don't really have a way to separate them so there'd be no way to control that yeah. experiment so yeah because i mean as as i mentioned to you and i met you at hoa we don't even have a farrowing shit <laughs> we yet we are literally <laughs> learning by doing at at a moment yeah. <laughs> sure. sure so we're th there's there's some definite uh, things that we can expand out into this to, to right. learn more, but it's it's all a very big learning uh, curve now. Cause, I mean, we haven't even had them a full year, right? Oh, right. we yeah. haven't had them a full year. Wow, sure. time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. And back to the breed size. I mean, so Kyle works emergency services, so he's sometimes gone for 24 hours, and I'm I'm a nice wee five foot six woman. Um, so, you know, if I have to get in to work the pigs for whatever reason or check them or whatnot, it's, I mean, it's better for his peace of mind and, and mine that I can just jump in that paddock and work them. And if they get too ornery, I can just kick them on the snout and they'll go, oh, okay. And they back off versus, you know, a larger breed. If I kicked them on the snout, they say, well, that's cute. And they just keep doing whatever they were doing. So, yeah. um, again, it's not, it's not a production breed, but it works for what we're doing we're, we're very pleased with it as a homestead breed. yeah yeah so yeah and they're they're pretty chill i mean it's a very pretty chill breed to begin with as well as my understanding right i haven't had to kick them yeah, on no, those I've very never, often no, I've never, so. I mean, heck, these, these 
we didn't mean to train them to a bucket, but they'll follow us across a whole pasture to move to a new spot without fence, just with a bucket. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been <laughs> that's been very helpful and beneficial on several occasions. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They follow us better than the sheep do sometimes. Yeah. The stinkers. <laughs> yeah, they do. So. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's that's obviously a, a testament to the the lady you had him before, and, and really got him used to to human interaction and you know keeping that yeah. up with anybody that you're going to keep. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I like that the options you have. So when you when you have two, uh, you know, hopefully you'll have two successful farrowings, and then you can at that point start to assess as you get to weaning time. It's like, how many do we keep? Do we want five pigs? <laughs> do we want to keep right. ten pigs? Or do we do we sell all feeders and and that uh, you mean i know you guys um, and and we won't get into this too much but i know you guys obviously market your product so uh, with what you do with sheep and the, the wool and stuff so so you you know how to market you know how to sell a product or service so right. looking at that and saying hey we've got pigs that do a great job of following sheep and with your contacts and and what you have in the sheep community then you could be you could have a, a product there of providing piglets to people who don't necessarily want piglets, but they want that assistance with their, their sheep herd. And, and I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Well, and, and it's, yeah, in our yeah. area, at least it's interesting on the small farm Facebook boards, there are requests for smaller breed pigs consistently. And then when any breed of pig goes on the Facebook, well, not that anyone would ever sell livestock on Facebook because I know that's bad, but right. if they were, then, I mean, they don't really last five minutes on the boards. They all sell out really quickly. So, um, it, it again, I was just surprised because, you know, with a lot of different small homestead stock, you know, the, the poor homesteaders slash farmers like, please, please take my, you know, prime breeding stock for a decent price and with pigs you you don't have that problem in this area so yeah um yeah so yeah and then but but that's a very nice angle that you mentioned for i hadn't even thought about that i've thought about the pigs for meat but you know having it amongst the even the sheep community that uh they get used to help follow and that kind of stuff that's a that's a whole other nice marketing angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, five I think, more bucks for piglets. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, because our breed has been selectively managed to to covet <laughs> yeah. to covet exactly. sheep manure. Exactly. And, exactly. Yeah, we, we started them on M and M's, and we moved up to. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh goodness. No, oh, that's great. So, um, so, so, what do you think? What do you think the future holds for you here? Let's say. Let's say if things go well the way you want with fairing, what, what's the next three years look like when it comes to how you integrate pigs into your flock and, 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 and other things on the farm? So we've actually kind of gotten into a, quote, herd share arrangement, unquote, with, with the piglets who aren't born yet, um, with a, a couple families from our church who, you know, they don't have homesteads. They're interested in homesteading, um, you know, but. Uh, again apparently like if you butcher a chicken everyone's like you know that's nice let us know when you're done if you home butcher a sheep everyone's like oh you're rock stars but if you say you're gonna home butcher a pig everyone's like oh my gosh it's a hog roast we want to be there will you teach us can we come can we help and i'm like it's the same thing as the other two sure yes come yes, over yes so um we're using that to our advantage um try to foster that community up you know do, do, do it like the old days of uh, yeah, a community hog killing. Right. 
So they base it's some kind of herd share arrangement where we we raise their pig for them and then they come butcher it come butcher day um after paying rent wink wink um so there's there's that option you know with the couple a couple piglets that we'll keep to raise um and i mean i would like to continue that kind of a model i don't know you know how i don't know how long long term sustainable that is but at least in the short short long term um i see that being a decent option um for for the piglets we don't intend to sell as feeders you know and i do think there's a market for some feeder pigs yeah as well i just don't know how big a market that is so i'm not sure like you know do we want to do a once a year farrowing or a twice a year farrowing like i haven't we haven't quite done the seeing the market trends to know how much we want to you know do that yeah yeah but i mean our our goal for the what stays here on the farm permanently is kind of in the realm of what we're doing right now a couple sows and a boar as our and then you know we need enough pigs to follow the three different flocks so and we're not quite sure like honestly that that's what drives the whole thing is like how many pigs are enough to follow the sheep and take care of the parasites and then when does it become too many pigs that that's a whole separate management system so like i think yeah so i i mean ironically i think the amount of pigs to sheep is going to be the you know determining factor of you know are are the pigs still just enough where they're taking care of parasites and or do we have too many in our stocking density needs to go down Mm -hmm. you know despite probably despite a a market just because i don't know if we have enough acres to really acres and inputs yeah acres and inputs to really um enter into a hog enterprise at this point Mm -hmm. so um you know that and again that'll just kind of be an ongoing experiment i guess of observation and you know really good record keeping which yeah. like every homesteader out there we're so good at we're always <laughs> taking records and for those of we you are. who are homesteading please know i am speaking totally tongue-in-cheek because right. yeah. none of us are good at it so, yeah, see, so I, i'm a data geek and i definitely see the value value in that and and yeah it is tough to record your own data and manage yeah. all of that but but yeah, I mean, it's I think there's, it. yeah, exactly. And and that'll be yeah. something you'll be able to determine. Obviously there's, there's variables on every farm, but, but how great would that be in, in two, three, five years where you, you guys have some pretty good evidence that says, Hey, here's what we've seen the reduction of parasite load in our flock because of this specific circumstance. And, mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, know, know what, what, how, when, where type of thing when it comes to, to how the pigs follow. So that, that's pretty slick. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Very good. We're brilliant. Didn't even try to be. That's right. You know, you just, you stumble into stuff and and that's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I may have to touch back, uh, touch base with you again, right after you Pharaoh and and when, (laughs) when castration's coming up, because that's always, that's always a good one with with Kyle being, Kyle being emergency (laughs) service. He could probably take that on without any problems, I assume. Uh, You would think, yeah, there are certain things that you'd be surprised those that serve and protect you are squeamish about and will just dive headfirst into. Um, When lambing season comes, I'm the one who scrubs up. We'll just put it that way. So, but yeah, we're, we're going to figure stuff out, but I mean, there's, there's several things where it's like, if I've done it before, I don't mind jumping into it. If I'm going solo and doing some alteration on an animal, I kind of want some, some guidance and some mentorship on you, what I'm you doing. You butchered a chicken from a book. 
Whew, it took five hours to do one chicken. Anyway. <laughs> you want to castrate a pig yeah. from a book? Yeah, yeah. Okay. and the end result is the chicken's dead regardless. So, yeah, that's, exactly. you, you don't want a dead pig at during castration. In the middle, but <laughs> yeah. it, it was the end result, yes. Yeah. Uh, you get to that yeah. point, give us a shout. We'll come west. We'll help you We'll help you do some castration there. Hey, there you go. I, I, we greatly appreciate it. <laughs> we, yeah. we might take you up on that, Troy. You better be careful. Yeah. How Your far boys you... may cut us out by the end of it. How, how far are you guys from Lexington? We are an hour due south, actually. Oh, so you're down on 75 that direction. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. One of one of the major north-south routes out of Lexington. If you get on it and go south for an hour, you will be about three miles from our place. Yeah, there's a Sunny's Barbecue close by to you guys, I believe, down in that neck of the woods. So. There is. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's about <laughs> half an hour or so. Yeah. When we yeah. lived in Florida, that was that was a that was a staple for us. So obviously, there's none up, oh, okay. there's none this far north. So I, we kind of know where they are. You know, Charlotte and, and uh, Lake Norman area. So, so we know how far south we got to go. Out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, good. Well, good. Well, I'm going. To, I don't want to. Don't want to keep you guys all night. I really appreciate y'all coming on and and uh, and and sharing your experience here. But I do have to ask you. I ask everybody the same question and. Get your all's perspective on this, since it's since it's a little different. What and, and what you've seen, other than the fact that they eat uh, sheep poop, what is your favorite? <laughs> what is your favorite thing about raising pigs on pasture? I am I am absolutely amazed at their natural God given ability to just clean stuff up. As I said, our place is junky; it's overgrown. There is vines and brambles and brush that. I cannot imagine cutting through in in years of work. I mean, I've had people come out here with those sawtooth uh, weed eaters and try to hack through it, and they do a little bit, but some it's so thick, some of it they can't get through. Yeah. yeah. And I turn the pigs into that same area, and in a matter of you know, let's say I keep them in there a week or a week and a half or something like that, and all of a sudden it's like the ground just emerges, like stuff that I never have seen before <laughs> is just coming forth because they have rooted and burrowed and moved mm-hmm. stuff around and, mm-hmm. and and eaten a lot of the the vegetation and stuff like that that was seeming to be so imprint impenetrable yeah, yeah. uh we- that's been the most amazing amazing thing to me is just they're and, and they're happy doing it yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that's yeah. the biggest thing too i mean they they we'd think, be grumpy they think it's yeah. great <laughs> yeah. so yeah yeah, yeah, we we yeah. call that pig treasure here. That because our, <laughs> our farm was so trashed at one point that when they unearth something, it's like, oh look, more pig treasure. Yeah, what is that? Oh, yeah. it's a pair of corduroy pants. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there's been that too. Yeah, that, that, that's the scary part. Is like there's some trash where I said I thought I'd never unearth that stuff, and they just bring it right out. Yeah, here you go. We found this for you. And, it's a and toy, it, and it wasn't intentional. It's just over the winter we needed a place to put them and so we just kind of surrounded the really overgrown area and said okay they could shelter in there and oh and, and we, on we go and uh then all of a sudden spring came around and they had just you could see totally grounds. it was like yeah. wait a minute when yeah. did that happen so yeah. yeah and for me you know not to be you know fangirly here but like joel salatin says like the bigness of the pigs is really fascinating for me to watch like we had them in this paddock where there was a bunch of old dead fescue and I went out the next day and the pigs had cut the dead stalks and dragged it into a pile and made this big, huge bed (laughs) in the middle of this paddock. And I was just, I was like, Kyle, when did you throw hay in here? He's like, I didn't throw any straw in here. When did you throw it in here? And I was like, we just looked at each other. We're like, the pigs did that? Uh, Like that's really smart. So 
you know, ultimately the best thing about raising pigs is bacon, but we haven't harvested yet. So we don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> right. so, exactly. Um, the time will come very soon. Yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. It will get there. Very good. Well, I really appreciate you all coming on the uh, podcast and uh, and man, what a great interview. You guys have such a good dynamic. It was it was fun hanging out with you here for this uh, 40 or so minutes. So oh, thank you. Thank you. So if, if people want to find out more about your farm or reach out to you, how can they find you on the interwebs? Well, we just published our website, yeah. like literally the day before HOA. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. See, that's a requirement. Yeah. So you can find us at www.whoopsiedaisyfarm.com or we are on Instagram at just Whoopsie Daisy Farm. I think that's the only, yeah, yeah that's okay. the handle. So Okay. And, and one thing I didn't ask you, so um, give me the brief explanation of the name of the farm because that one's, that one's pretty, <laughs> that's an interesting one. <laughs> okay. So we're both type A personalities. We try not to be what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we were, when we were talking about starting the homestead i said to kyle okay we're going to make mistakes and we can't have a nervous breakdown every time we make a mistake and so we need something to remind us to just not take ourselves seriously take a deep breath you know pull up our adult pants and keep going and i don't know if you're familiar with the christian singer songwriter rapper toby mac but he's got a song called catch a fire yeah and the the chorus goes, whoopsie daisy, call me crazy. Somebody got us catch a fire. And I was like, well, if we name the farm whoopsie daisy, like that's what we need to say when we mess up. And most of our family is calling us crazy, but we want the <laughs> the country to catch the fire of homesteading. Yeah. So whoopsie daisy yeah. farm it is. So double meaning. There you go. Yeah. I like, so. it. I like it. Very cerebral. <laughs> Thank you. All yeah, right. I, I I tend to overthink yeah. everything. Yeah, so, so so I mean we we just kind of did it going okay we're gonna mess up a lot so let's just name it this and everybody loves it. I mean yeah I didn't again awesome. I didn't mean for it to be this great marketing tool but everyone's like oh whoopsie daisy and there was this Austrian couple at HOA and they were like whoopsie daisy fam whoopsie daisy fam we love your name whoopsie daisy fam and I'm yeah. like could you just like say that into a quarter so I can exactly. play it when I'm feeling. <laughs> exactly so. has such a better flavor yeah and i guess yeah, looking, looking at that constant yeah that mis- that uh, repeated mistake thing i guess there's all kinds of other options you could have gone with that would have been less christian you know son of a blank <laughs> son of a blank <laughs> farm and all that yeah. type of stuff <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh i i was a good christian homeschool graduate woman when we got the farm and i after the third duck Clutch, I, I have been known to cuss like a sailor in, in the field sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think sometimes my pigs think I have Tourette's, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially on loading that was day, one, yeah. That's one of our favorite YouTube uh, videos that you have is when you're talking about like the, the poopkins or something like that. Oh, and yeah. One of yeah. the pigs start gnawing on your side by side and you've got this like very sage wise Troy is sharing about the poopkins <laughs> and then you just turn around you're like stop eating my side by side you jerks oh, and yeah. we we yeah. watch that over and over and just die <laughs> laughing because we're like it's our people they understand yes yeah yeah there's always always somebody around you and it's usually an animal trying to make you look foolish so good stuff keep you humble yep all right well, Kyle and uh, Rachel, man, I sure appreciate you coming on. God bless you and the efforts you're doing down there. And and uh, we'll have to get you back on when we're ready to digest some of this data and, and uh, present yeah. that some more. 
That'd be great. Sounds great. Well, Thank thanks you. for having us, Troy. It was a pleasure for me talking to you in person for the first time, but yeah, you yeah. got to talk to him at HOA. So. I did. I did. <laughs> Good deal. Well, so thank you. Yeah, Lord willing, we'll be there next year, so we'll definitely have to uh, make sure we run into one another. Same. Yeah, sounds great. sounds great. All right. Well, I pray you all have a great week. Take care. Well, I really appreciate uh, Kyle and Rachel coming on. Great conversation. Like I said, they, they really carried the conversation for me. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Some of the things that um, that Rachel discussed there, I, I, I do want to follow back up with them in a while and just see if they've... Uh, been able to explore more of this parasite control. I know this, you know, we're, we're dealing with pastured pigs, but um, I know many of us, and I, I highly recommend this if you don't, if you're a monoculture, if you're only one uh, one species focused farm, that's fine, but there's a lot of value in being multi-species. Um, but so I found that very interesting. I, I'm not that familiar with sheep, don't really get around to much. Um, I know they're fuzzy. That's about it. But um, so really good stuff, and I, I like what they're what they're doing there, and in, in utilizing a breed that is, you know, somewhat contentious. Some of you guys really get your get your panties in a, in a twist when we talk about uh, the AGHs or the Cooney Cooney. So um, uh, I think it's it's neat to see how they're using this breed on their farm, and it's working out for them. So. It's one of those to each their own, right? So um, if that breed works for you, go for it. But we are uh, we're we're going to wrap up now, and and again, look forward to other um, topics we have coming up. Really excited to get into those. If you want to communicate with me, you know how to do it: Troy at RedToolHouse.com, or go to our Facebook group, The Pastured Pig, which is growing daily, and good conversation going on there. And you can just drop me a note that way. That may be the easiest way to communicate and get some other input from other uh, members as well. All right. Well, I pray everyone have a great week. And if you're in a temperate zone, I pray you enjoy this beautiful time of year. Take care. Now, one quick note before I go away. I realized that my outro bumper is incorrect because the call to action is it doesn't include the new website. Um, so the lady that did my outro, she may, uh, you know, I may be able to get her to do it again, but she's just so darn expensive. So, um, if those who know it's my wife, but, um, I've edited it. So, uh, just a little bonus here, listen to this outro and see if my edit is sufficient. If you notice the difference or if I need to actually uh, get Kelly to, to record a, a new outro for me. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the pastured pig podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit thepasturedpig.com.